Hi folks, Jack Spierko here. Today you are listening to an episode of TSP Rewind. <laughs> Commercial free versions of past episodes. Podcasts blast from the past. I put these up when I can't do a show due to professional commitments or rare vacations. These podcasts will appear in standard iTunes, Stitcher, and other feeds, but will be titled TSP Rewind Episodes and numbered accordingly. And today we are rewinding back to August the 20th, 2014, episode 1409 of the Survival Podcast, originally titled The Failure of Indiv Individual Leadership in America. Uh, I'm off fishing today. I decided to give myself a birthday present, even though I said I don't really care about my birthday. I'll use any excuse to go fishing. And I'm out with uh, three really good friends today in pursuit of white bass and striped bass. And uh, I will not apologize for not being here today and for recording this on Friday afternoon for you, a new intro to this episode. I was trying to figure out what to leave you guys with for a rewind for today. And, and just so you guys know, I will be back tomorrow. I shall return, uh, hopefully smelling like fish and really happy. Anyway, I, I started thinking about where we're at right now. In, in, in America as a whole, with the um, the Democratic primary, um, the slings and arrows, both justified and unjustified, being hurled at uh, our current uh, ass clown and chief, President Trump, and the way that everybody's pretty much losing their mind and everybody's taking a side, and all I see and all I hear in society today Uh, which is not much different than it was in 2014, although it's reached a new level of screeching, you know, uh, uh, you know like, like if it was a screeching, was at like eight and a half in 2014. It's probably like 10.1 right now. It's off the scale. Um, but, yeah, everybody pointing and yelling and complaining and acting as if these other people weren't there. If they weren't part of this, if they weren't causing this problem, everything would be great. Um, the the left is absolutely certain that Trump is the cause of all their problems, even though they had complete control of the country not that long ago, and they still had all these problems. And the right is convinced that even though they had complete control of the country for the first two years of the Trump presidency, that the left is creating all their problems. And as you'll hear in this original episode, I, I do not limit this to politicians. Um, there's a, a laundry list that I'll go through of people that get blamed, And what I left out is including your next-door neighbors in the original. Like it, it, We have literally gotten to, you'll hear a little cameo by uh, the character Homer Simpson in today's show, this is everybody's fault but mine. And, and now we have added to it, there has always been political tribalism in this country. For as long, like our founders warned us about political parties while they were creating the political parties they were warning us about. So we have always had some level of political tribalism in our country. And in fact, in all, and I know some of you will get all butthurt about this word, in all democracies there have been uh, political tribalism. And I know we are not a direct democracy and really almost no other uh, form of government in the world is. We are a representative democracy in the form of a constitutional republic, if that makes you happy. It doesn't matter. As long as citizens have a right to vote, they are going to end up with a, a bifurcation between two dominant forces. We, we will go into binary mode with a Democrat and a Republican, right? Uh, or or a, a, a Tory, yeah, and a, I guess it Tory and Whigs in, over in England, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. 
that's uh, Tory and Labor, right? Tory, the Tory Party and the Labor Party. That's like our Democrats. Like it's the same everywhere. Even in countries that have some level of a third party representation, like Australia, they might have as many as five parties represented in Congress. Uh, but they still have like two dominant ones, and then like the third parties all kind of just are like all they are is the a new name for the extreme versions of ours. So the, the you know the AO, AOC squad it would be its own party uh, in some of these other countries where here they're just the extreme left or in, in some cases the extreme right, and it, it doesn't really matter. You still have tribalism, and so if you add the concept of it's everybody's fault but mine to the tribalism. Then it's the other tribe's fault. And what you reach is a fever pitch that's a lot like when you get you know, the instrument too close to the microphone at a concert and you get that horrible feedback loop and nobody can hear anything anymore. And that's where we are today. And in all of this, I don't care what side you're taking, it's probably the wrong side. Because 99% of the shit people worry about, they... Even if it is something that does affect you, you don't affect it. You don't have any control over it. All you control is how you react to it and how you respond to it. And if you respond to it with screeching and yelling and gnashing of teeth and finger pointing and how wrong everybody else is, it does you no good. It doesn't even matter if you're right. That's what you have to let go of. Some people are like, but you don't understand. I understand perfectly. You think you're right. You So now we have two choices. You think you're right and you are. You think you're right and you're not. Those are two, two choices you have at that point. Okay, it still doesn't matter. In either of those situations, you're screeching and yelling and finger pointing and blaming won't do shit to affect the thing that you're upset about. It won't. And it won't do a thing for you either. It is less effective than getting stoned. You'd be better off getting a big old fatty and blazing up and getting stoned because at least you'll relax. At least your eye pressure and your blood pressure will go down. At least you'll let go, which is what you need to learn to do without blazing up a fatty. But honestly, most people that are losing their shit about politics or economics or this group or that group... The illegal immigration, alt-right, Antifa, all this shit. Like, if it's not directly affecting you, let go. If it is directly affecting you, make changes, adapt, adjust, combat it. Whatever you got to do, but fix your shit. And most of the time that involves good lifestyle planning and getting the hell out of the way. I mean, that's that's legitimately where most of the difference can be made in your life. It's very similar to what I've said to you so many times about the tax code. If you look at the United States tax code, it is reams and reams of paper. I mean, it is literally enough paper to start a thousand house fires. That's how much paper it is. And most Americans focus on the 10% of it that says what you have to do. The other 90% was written into it by lobbyists through our supposed representatives in corporate interest and in the interest of rich people. So what do you think it says? It says how rich people don't have to pay taxes. See, now you're using a limited mindset and you're creating a tribe and you're blaming the other person. 
Instead of looking at the reality on the ground. It doesn't work that way. It's like the Matrix. There's rules for everybody. No. The other 90% tells you how not to do the 10%. And if you can only not do half of your 10%, you might think, well, but, but Amazon didn't pay any taxes. They, shut up! Now you're back to somebody else. Wham! Like a little baby bitch. Shut up! If you think tax is theft, then anybody who avoids it, you should be happy for it. But they, shut up! But shut up! I mean, just stop! No, if you focused on the 90% and it cut what you have to do by half, you have that half back in your life. You please tell me what does more for you, cutting your taxes in half or bitching about Jeff Bezos not paying taxes in total ignorance because Jeff Bezos pays more money in taxes in a year, in a month, than you will make in your life. Especially if you're that small-minded that you're that worried about it. Because whether Amazon pays taxes or not doesn't matter. Jeff Bezos pays taxes on the money he pays himself. That's how taxation works. And I'm sure he's really good. I'm sure he has accountants that focus really, really hard on the 90%. My point is, so should you. At whatever level it makes sense for you to do so. And if it's not a tax reduction for you, it's something. What in your life can you affect directly that makes you happier and more free? And every second that you spend of your life that is not based on that is wasted. It's wasted. And I'm back, you know, I talk about the dash a lot, the dash between the day you're born and the day you die. But I think the best explanation of your life that I've ever given to understand how precious it is, is the jar of marbles. Imagine, if you will, for me, a huge, huge container sitting on the floor somewhere in your home. And inside it are little blue glowing marbles. And those little marbles and the blue glow is your life force. And every day, you get up and you look in your pocket and your marble from yesterday is incredibly dim and incredibly small and about to disintegrate. And when it does, your life force is gone. Luckily for you, there's a lot of marbles in that jar. So you walk over there and you take your next marble out. Just as your last marble expires. And now you have another day and another blue glowing marble that is your life force for that day. And it's real easy when that jar is enormous and almost full to the top to waste that marble. But if we actually had this visualization of our life, knowing the last day we would pull the last marble out, how much more would we focus on our own lives when that jar went from almost full to only half full or half empty, depending on how we look at it? And it'd be real easy to become a pessimist and call it half empty if each one of those marbles represented 24 hours of our lives. But the optimist would still go, look how many marbles I have. I better make the most of them. And, you know, I just crossed another birthday, 47 years old. The odds are my jar's half empty. My jar's past half empty. Right now I'd have to live to be 94. I might. I might live to be older than that. But there's, you know, by the numbers, my jar's well past half empty. Whoever decided 50 was middle-aged didn't really look at how many centurions we had around, did they? So I have to make a decision every day. 
are the things that I'm saying helping me and helping you? I've dedicated my life to this podcast, to teaching people. And if I can't make you a better leader in your own life, then I'm wasting my marbles, and I damn well don't feel like wasting them. The problem most people have is they believe that leadership requires a large number of people following you for you to be a leader. The very first person that you must lead is the one you look at in the mirror every day. And no one will follow you, no one, until you learn to lead yourself. That's why your children will start learning to tie their shoes, not because you tell them to, but because daddy ties his shoes, mommy ties her shoes. I want to be like mommy and daddy, and I want to tie my shoes too. Because you, you are at least sufficient enough to lead yourself through tying your damn shoes or making your damn bed or combing your damn hair. That's why those little kids emulate you and they follow you, and the rest of the world works the same way. No one will follow you until you're doing the thing you want them to follow you with. That's leadership. And that means there's a point where you have to say that I'm in charge of my own shit. So what somebody else does is irrelevant to me. It may have a consequence in the world or for me. So I may have to adapt and adjust to it. But I damn well... I'm only going to go as far as doing that adjustment or making that decision. And then I'm going to act. And what we have in this country is a society that has been so divorced from that concept that they're literally not capable of doing it anymore. Now, I don't mean they're not capable as in you're not capable of walking because you have a fractured uh, back and a severed spinal cord. The innate ability to do it is still there. But functionally, they are impotent in self-leadership. It takes an act of literal defiance, like I talked about with Jonathan Livingston Siegel on Friday. It takes an act of almost civil disobedience to lead yourself today. Because everything around you says, fit in, go along, pick a side. Well, screw that. Side with yourself and your family. Lead yourself. Don't let anyone or anything pull you off of your primary goal. Spending those marbles smartly. Making a difference in the world for yourself and your family and for the people around you. Going to the place you want to be. That is your job. And the only leader that can take you there is you. I can't do it. If I wanted to make an analogy here as to who I am in your journey, if I'm part of it, you're running the marathon. And maybe I hold that paper cup out full of water for you as you come past mile 16 and say, keep going, man. That's it. That's all I am. You have to hit that wall and say, screw it, I don't care. I'm going through it. You have to go so far, so hard, that you look back and all of a sudden there's people following you. Then, and only then, will you know you're leading yourself. When you lead yourself, you will create others who follow where you are going. You can always tell the leader. He's never 
behind his people pushing them. He's always ahead of them, encouraging them. With that, let's go ahead and rewind back. August 20th, 2014, episode 1409 originally, The Failure of Individual Leadership in America. With that, let's get into the main topic of today's show. Again, today's show is called The Failure of Individual Leadership in America. And this is what has me thinking this way. Every day I hear about how our leaders have failed us. The, the, you know, the latest Obama memes on Facebook, which I'm no fan of that idiot. I don't want that guy to be running our country, but I really don't care who runs our country as long as we're still electing the, the lesser of two evils in the minds of the average person. We're going to have a criminal, an idiot, and an incompetent in the White House. That's what we're going to have until individuals change. And, you know, the Republican Congress, there's all the, the, the attacks on that. So as long as we have two sides to attack, everything's in balance and everybody can blame somebody else. Yes, all of Americans' problems are from 435 representatives, 100 senators, and one president in his cabinet. They're, those people have caused all our problems. There's nobody else, right? Oh, wait, we get to blame other people, too. They're, you know, we can blame the people on welfare. We can blame the liberals if we're conservatives and the conservatives if we're liberals, not just the government ones, but the other people out there. We can blame the illegal immigrants. We can blame the talking heads on TV and the reality TV morons. It's their fault, too. In the words of Homer Simpson... This is everybody's fault but mine. Yes, yes, that's right. It is everybody's fault but mine. And this is really how people think. I want to take you back to the year 2012. I remember a report came out about that time, and it was about people who had gotten underwater on their mortgage in the crisis of 08-09 and had qualified for government-assisted bailouts from the banks and had gotten back to par. So, like, they were going to lose their house, and then they didn't lose their house. Obama saved their house. And then it was said, okay, well, here's your new deal. You're going to pay less, but you got to pay this much, and you, you don't just get your house free. Oh, I don't know. You don't get your house free. You got it. We're just retooling your mortgage to something that's a more affordable. Does this work? Yeah, this works. I can pay this. And then, uh, you know, a year later, we're in foreclosure proceedings already again. And the interesting thing about this was, and I don't remember the exact number, so I'm hedging a little bit, but it was over 85% when questioned, how responsible are you for your current predicament? Over 85% said, I bear little to no responsibility for my current predicament. 85% of people who bought a house they couldn't afford, got a mortgage they couldn't afford, got bailed out of a mortgage they couldn't afford, accepted a new mortgage apparently they couldn't afford, and ended up for a second time in foreclosure within one year, said they bear no responsibility. And what did I see? Memes on Facebook, people mocking them. People saying, look at those idiots over there, they're not like me. Um, do you understand? See, I covered that report. And when I did, I tried to make it clear this report was not about the fact that people in foreclosure in 2012 for the second time were irresponsible. It was about the fact that Americans are irresponsible. So you're in that group, right? Now, if you're an international listener... Yeah, Australians are irresponsible, Englishmen are irresponsible, Frenchmen are irresponsible. Put your nation in there. If you're a modern nation today, your nation's probably irresponsible too. I just want to make sure everybody's equally offended because that's the kind of guy I am today. All right? So 
But I'm going to stick mostly with America because we do in some ways have bigger problems than these other developed nations with this particular problem, this individual leadership problem. And it's because we are more effectively divided. I would say the next most effectively divided nation on class structure that's a developed nation is probably uh, Great Britain, the United Kingdom, whatever you want to call it today, that they are probably as bad or close to as bad as we are, but not, no, they're not as bad. They, they're, they're number two in line. And I know you'll say, well, they're Sunnis and Shiites. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm talking about developed nations that, that should otherwise be running fairly well. Um, we saw that with the London riots, a, a very clear class delineation divide. But this nation is massively divided. And it speaks to the failure of individual leadership. Because again, in Homer Simpson's words, this is everybody's fault but mine, is a much easier thing to convince people of than you bear responsibility for your own actions. So it's not that the TV and the people in power won't tell you that it's somebody's fault. They'll just tell you that it's so many people's fault. You can just ignore it when they mention your group and say, oh, that's the and those are the people causing the problem. And then all the other groups, it's their fault. The illegal aliens, it's their fault. I mean, they are coming here illegally. And uh, it's, it, it, it's the Congress that's letting them come here and giving them benefits, so it's their fault. And, and it's, you know... It's, and it's not in many ways that these statements aren't true. It's just probably it's your fault, too, especially about the things that actually impact you. Let's take another look at something else that got me under this train of thought that will seem like I'm segueing away, but I'll come back around, I promise you. So a, a thing that's gone around a lot lately I saw on Facebook is some tool over in Iraq fighting for these ISIS idiots that, by the way, we supplied with money and guns when they were in Syria, and then we called them freedom fighters. And the guy that they just killed, oh, yeah, they captured him in Syria when we were supporting them. But let's just ignore that, okay? So the, these ISIS clowns are over there killing a bunch of people who are unarmed. And they get some clown, probably the one out of the whole group that can speak English, to say some bullshit about, we'll raise the flag of Islam over the United States and over the White House. And all of a sudden, all the Facebook memes are going with pictures of this idiot, and everybody's like, oh my god. Well, do you know why I don't give a shit? Because he doesn't probably know how to find the United States, first of all, on a freaking globe. Second of all, as long as our government doesn't disarm us, if, if, if anybody, especially them want to come here and take over my country, bring it on, bitches. We will fill the ocean with your bodies and send you back to whence you came. And I'm not just talking about, I'm saying anybody that wants to, anybody that wants to jump, go ahead, and I promise you this nation, if it's invaded, is more than capable of dealing with you. And that's why it ain't happened. Okay, and I don't just mean our military. I mean us. There's about 50 million people in this country that own guns. And of that 50 million, there's a good 10 to 20 million that know what the hell they're doing. And if anybody tries to raise any flag above our White House, no matter how dissatisfied we are with our elected officials, trust me, we'll fix that shit. And I know that, so I don't care. I also don't care because I know he can't do it. I know he probably doesn't want to do it. They're like, hey, dude, say this in front of the camera. I don't know. Just say it. You speak English. Say it. We need somebody to say this. we got to make a, a thing, a, a propaganda, they call it. Yeah, we got to do this. Oh, okay, right? Why is the Muslim guy in ISIS sound Italian? Because I can't do a Muslim accent without being offensive. Anyway, 
but serious, right? This guy is no threat to you, right? So why does that meme exist? So that you will give your tacit approval to bombing the shit out of people that are no threat to you. Do I think these ISIS guys are nice guys? No. I think maybe if we just stopped screwing with everybody, things would be better. But how does this apply to individual leadership? Okay. been teaching you this for six years. When your energy, when your emotion, when your anger, when your passion is directed at something like some moron in the desert that says he wants to put some flag over a White House that you probably don't even want to see anymore because you're so fed up with your own government and you're worried about him who has a snowball's chance in hell of probably being alive 30 days from now, let alone hoisting a flag over your White House, you are taking all of that energy, all of that passion, all of that ability, and you are directing it to a place where it will do no good. You're liking something you hate on Facebook to make a political point that no one gives a shit about. Got it? Okay. So this is how this applies to individual leadership. I talk a lot about the dichotomy. And what we actually have is like a multi-pronged dichotomy. First, we will divide you into the true dichotomy, the liberal and the conservative. If you happen to say you're independent, a third party, think for yourself, a libertarian or whatever, we just call you nuts. And then we just decide to, to, to stick you in one of the groups, right? If you're a libertarian, we're like, ah, you're just a Republican, Right? You're just a Republican. Right? And if you're a liberal libertarian, you're just a socialist. You're a liberal. You're, you're, you're in with the Democrats. You just have painted yourself different. Like we don't even take it seriously. So then we, we, so we have this, 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 this macro dichotomy that we've put everybody into. If they don't choose to go into a group, we shove them in one. Alright? And if they really won't go, if you can't fit them into a group, you can't shove them in there, then you just call them crazy. And then you start subdividing those dichotomies into multiple other dichotomies so that you can control these people. Black and white, rich and poor, male and female, you name it. If they can create a PepsiCo challenge in our society, they'll do it. And if they can really razz it up like they're doing in Ferguson, Missouri right now and get a bunch of people killing each other, that's even better. Because again, all your energy goes towards shit that doesn't even affect you and there's nothing you can do about Or if you happen to be in the middle of ground zero like that, trust me, all the BS that people are talking about at 30 miles away or 300 miles away or 3,000 miles away, you don't care about that. You care about keeping your ass alive where you're at. Right? So that only people that get pulled out of that are the ones totally pulled into it. You got that? Right? So where does individual, individual leadership come into all this? You choose this for yourself. You choose to be sucked into this shit. And you choose whether or not you're Homer Simpson and whether or not you say this is everybody's fault but mine. You make that choice. There's a lot of shit you have no choice over. Your government's going to bomb the shit out of people whether you want them to or not. It's going to happen. Your government's going to go into debt and hawk the future of your children whether you want them to or not. And it's not going to stop. And there's a lot of things I could just keep going down that list. They're going to happen, and you're going to have to deal with them, or at least parts of them, and there's no way you can change that. I know it's not fair, right? That's the common thing a kid says. It's not fair when they're not ready to be a leader in their own life, and it isn't fair. 
And you know what the response to that little kid is? Johnny, life's not fair. But if I sent you into battle as part of a group, the biggest disservice I could do is to send you into that battle leaderless. Without an officer or an NCO commanding your unit, probably at multiple levels of leadership, uh, battalions, brigades, etc., down to the platoon and squad leader level. We have to have that to effectively deal with a battle because guess what? Battles aren't fair. And battles aren't just lined out and like you just go out there and do it and then you're done and you get a gold star and you get to come home. Things change, things shift, and that leadership is necessary to get through that battle or series of battles that we would call a war. And either win, lose, or draw, but come home alive. Trust me, that's the real goal of every soldier, come home alive. And that's leadership in that capacity. And that leadership is where we learn in, in things like that or in corporate leadership or in community leadership to look to others for our leadership and to say we need good leaders, strong leaders, competent leaders to lead us. And there's an old saying that one can't lead until one first learns to follow. So in other words, if I want to be a good leader, I need to learn how to follow. Because in following, I will learn competency, and in competency, I can attain leadership. All right. I have something far different to tell you today, because I think that that, if you just stop there and don't go back one more layer, is bullshit. Because I don't think you can learn to follow until you learn to lead yourself as an individual. I don't think you can be an effective follower without being an effective self-leader. Well, how's that work? Well, it's pretty simple. For me to be a good follower to my leader, I have to have confidence in them, which means I need to be at least astute enough to know, hey, this guy knows what the hell he's doing. I need to be able to do some level of judgment of my leader so that if he's doing something really stupid, I don't do it with him. This is what your mom meant when she said, if everybody jumped off the bridge, would you do it too, just because they led you off of it? So, first of all, I have to be intelligent enough to make some of my own decisions. That means I have to be able to lead myself. I also have to make a choice. I have decided that this person is competent. They do have my best interest in the interest of the overall mission or objective at hand and heart, and I'm therefore going to follow them. In order to do that, I must be leading myself, must be self-led. You see... Here's your problem. You've been conditioned out of that as, as have most Americans today and most people in the developed world today. In fact, most people in the world today have been conditioned to believe that leadership exists outside of yourself. The reason we have the biggest problem that, that any nation has with this problem right now is our form of government. Not the people in government, our form of government. The nation is a constitutional republic elected through a democratic process. We are a democratically elected republic that sees the rights of the individual as superior to the needs of society as a whole, so long as the individual doesn't harm anyone else in the, uh, the use and the pursuit of their rights. In other words, I can swing my fist as hard as I want until I hit your nose. In this society, because that is the case, because that is how we are supposed to run, we cannot have a nation where people don't lead themselves and be prosperous. Your entire government 
was set up with the understanding that the individual would get up off their ass and run and live and motivate and do their own thing and run their own life and be a leader in their own household, in their own community, in their own neighborhood. Your entire system of government was set up with the belief that the individual would lead themselves. The constitutional republic that you live in was designed to be run by people who could self-lead and self-govern. And the people of this country right now cannot. Before you point your finger at somebody else, you may very well be one of them. I told you I might punch you in the head today. Let me explain to you how this works. When you are evaluating a problem in your life, if you are quick to or first to point to anybody else as the reason you have that problem, rather than to ask yourself, what can I do to get rid of this problem, you are one of them. I don't care what the problem is. I've been asked many times because of the success that I've had in business over the years, especially some of my early successes at very young ages, what is it that made you successful in all of these things? And one is, I don't talk about all the ones screwed up, so don't think I hit a home run in everything I did. I do talk about my failures at times, but when you're presenting yourself as a speaker or whatever, you you generally make your 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 speaker bio up out of the things you did good, right? So just let's not think that everything was a home run. Um, but there are there are two things. There are two things that are the key to my success, and you might want to write them down if you're the kind of person that writes things down because I don't really need to tell you anything else about success for you to have it if you'll practice these two things. The first one was when I was in a situation where I had to choose between acting or not acting. With careful consideration to make sure I didn't do something really stupid, I always tr chose to try something rather than to do nothing. Even as an employee where you're not supposed to, I would try something and then I would be able to justify what I did and sometimes an employer would appreciate it and sometimes they wouldn't. But in the end, when faced with the decision to do something or nothing, I realized especially if anybody was following me, they weren't following me for inaction, they were following me to lead the way and that meant I had to choose a course of action. So that's number one. When faced with the decision to do something or to do nothing, I choose to do something. The second one is every situation that I ended up in. No matter how big of a case I could make for being a victim, and there were some that I could have made that case, I chose simply not to be a victim. I chose not to be a victim, which meant I had to deal with the problem myself. It doesn't mean not asking for help. I've lost jobs, and I've relied on a network of individuals to help me find opportunity. But I made the phone calls. I didn't sit there and mope around about how I got screwed over by a company. Um, and in every walk of life, when I was dead broke, and people look at the success and they go, when were you dead broke? Okay, when I got out of the Army, I was dead broke. I made $5.95 an hour to pack boxes in a warehouse. That's pretty broke. You know, even in, what, 1993 dollars, that's pretty broke, $5.95 an hour. You know, and <laughs> I, there's not a lot being made there. And, and 
No one wanted to talk to me. No one cared about my military service at the time. I had no real education behind me. And it would have been easy to say, no one wants to give me a break. No one wants to give me a chance. And I never did. I never did. I, I, I couldn't articulate the things the way that I do now. I didn't have enough life experience. I wasn't living exactly the way I'm suggesting that you live now. I didn't have the life experience to know, and no one told me. But I knew intrinsically, this is my life. I must do what needs to be done to make it better. And those two things are it, folks. If you have a choice to do something or nothing, find the most productive, valuable, mitigated, you know, as far as risk thing you course you can take and try it and have an exit strategy when you do, you know, and then the next thing is take responsibility for your own life and refuse to be a victim. If you can do those two things, you can be immensely successful in this country today or practically any country out there today. You, you just have to have that attitude. And that's all about individual leadership. And again, the biggest failure in this nation is a failure at the individual leadership level. Fathers who choose not to be fathers. That's an individual leadership failure. That's not, we don't prosecute deadbeat dads hard enough. That's, that's not the failure. The failure is the father that doesn't stand up and be a father. There's a hell of a lot more ways to be a father than with money, by the way. And yes, we have a system that divides the father and the mother during a divorce far more than the divorce should in of itself and makes the other one the adversary, makes the other one the enemy. And if they have assets, extracts them for the good of the state and the corporation. But isn't that a choice? Isn't that a choice? I mean, you might be predisposed by the circumstances to take that choice, but really when a man and a woman get divorced... Do you know what the most common thing I hear either side say when they have kids, when they're bitter and angry and being stupid and needing their face smacked for being an arrogant, selfish little prick? Do you know what the number one... Some of you know, you've heard it from people that are, you know, I'll make sure she, he never sees those kids again. Every time I've heard somebody say that, I've wanted to smack the shit out of them. And you know what? If it wasn't for... To, to quote the Coneheads... If it wasn't for my fear of incarceration by human authorities, I would. They said, I, Dan Ackroyd said I would crush your blunt skull. Right? But it's the truth. If you say that, you are being a sorry, sorry, sorry ass human being. I can't tell you how infuriating it is to hear another adult say something so freaking stupid. Let me be clear. I'm not talking about, hey, I just found out that my wife is a meth head and has like 47 guys coming over she's sleeping with to sell meth so she can buy meth, and she's got a pimp, and they're dealing out of the back door, and I didn't know this was going And I'm going to make sure she doesn't see the kids because this is dangerous. I'm not talking about that. I'm, talking about, I'm mad. I'm pissed off. I don't want this this way, so I'm going to use these kids as a weapon. Let me tell you, that's way more common than most people would ever expect it to be. I've known a lot of people go through divorces. Most people, thankfully, get over it, so I don't have to pound their head into the wall to wake them the hell up. Because if you're my friend, I would do that to help you, maybe. If you're that stupid for that long. But it's the immediate reaction. Now, I'm going to tell you something. A person that says that is not just temporarily not being a leader in their own life. They never were. They never were. 
you can't be a leader in your own life. You can't lead yourself individually and think that way. You really can't. It's impossible. Because the first thing a leader does is when one of their people is going to do something stupid, what do you do? If you've ever led a team, led a group, especially you guys who are in the military, and some guy's going to go all half-cocked off on something, right? Or you've, you've coached a sports team and one of your players wants to go out and cold-cock a referee, even if the referee did something stupid. What's the first thing you do? You stick your, hey, whoa, 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 calm your shit down. Sit. Think. Use your brain. This isn't going to come out well if you do this. This isn't how we behave. Well, guess what? If you're leading yourself, when you feel the compulsion to do that, you're the one that has to say, yo, dumbass, sit down, think about what you're saying. You're going to use your kids to punish your spouse. You're being an asshole. Shut up. Don't say that. Don't think that way. But no. Pain and anger override the ability of a person to control their actions, and therefore they vent and say something really freaking stupid. Really freaking stupid. That's just one example. You know what? Well, I know someone that did that. You're right. That's not your problem. See that behavior in yourself, even if you would never do that. What behavior do you have like that? Where do you fail to control yourself? I'm not talking about being overly passionate. Because I know someone say, you yell at the microphone all the time. I'm an entertainer, Okay. Sometimes it's because I'm really ready to snap and I just want you to hear it, but usually it's to entertain you. It's to get your attention. It's theatrics. Okay? That's what it is. When I say, wake up, America, it's theatrics. You're not going to drive down the road and, and I'm seeing you, you know, do something stupid in your car and all of a sudden I pick up a bullhorn and yell, wake up, America, at a car driving down the street. This is a personality. It is who I am to a large degree, but I'm performing. I can tell you this. When I end up in a situation where I want to do something that I know is a mistake, it's called self-discipline and self-leadership, and I catch myself. For instance, a few months ago, a guy did some really jackass stuff on the road. And I remember, I know some of you guys used to listen to me, you know, kind of cuss out a guy that did something stupid on the highway back when I used to podcast on my car. But it wasn't on a loudspeaker, like one of the cop loudspeakers where the guy could actually hear it, right? It's just venting. But this guy did something that was really stupid. I won't go into it, but really, like, obnoxious. And then he flipped me off, right? And then he got in front of me and he hit the brakes. Like, you know, where they, they get in front of you and they, they squat and stop, so you're going to hit them in the back end? And I was driving my F-350, and he was in a little car. And I thought about putting his trunk through his, the back of his skull, but of course I didn't. And then he ended up getting off the place I was getting off the highway, and I ended up right next to him at a stoplight. And what I wanted to do was get out of my truck, put my fist through his window, drag him out, and beat his head off the fender of my truck. That's what I wanted to do. He started mouthing at me. He rolled his window down and gave me the double bird. I put the window down and said, right as the light turned green, you know what, bud, have a great day. Because it's called self-control. And it's also called not letting somebody ruin your whole day or end up with you in prison. 
It's very ironic that after that happened, my wife and I were watching a, a series called uh, Locked, Lockdown about guys in prison. And they were showing a show about you know, new guys to come to prison that are not your typical prisoner. They're not the guys that have been in and out. And they're not like an 18-year-old that was dealing dope and just finally got caught the first time. They're like people that you just normally wouldn't expect to see in, in you know, medium or, or security prisons and above. Um, dangerous prisons with gang activity and stuff like that. You just wouldn't expect to see them there. But they're there due to the circumstances in their life. There's a guy, young guy, about 24, I'd say. This guy's pretty clean cut. Never really caused any problems. No record. Very similar situation. Guy was an obnoxious asshole. Cut him off, that type of thing. And in this situation, the guy actually got out of his car and, and hit him through his window. He goes chasing off after the guy. And when he's chasing the guy, he collides with him and the guy wrecks. Sitting next to the jackass that started the whole thing is a woman. And they didn't say whether anything happened to this jackass or not. The woman is pregnant. The vehicle careens into a pole. The girl is killed. Her yet-to-be-born child, and she's like late-term pregnancy, is killed. Now, who do you think is responsible here, in, at least in some level, the guy driving the truck that provoked this thing with this woman next to him pregnant? But... This young guy ends up in prison. This young guy ends up in prison. And you can't help but feel bad for him. He's in prison for vehicular homicide. Or second-degree murder, I think, was what the charge was. Seven to ten years. And he's in prison. He's in prison with gangsters. Real, hardcore, street-level gangsters. Scared shitless. Life ruined. But really, what does it come down to? Losing control due to a failure of individual leadership. That was a choice. Do I think he should be in prison for seven years, especially in a prison like that? No. But in the end, again, life isn't fair, and that was a choice. And I look back over my youth, and even with this attitude that I've always had, it's up to me, it's my responsibility, I got to do something about it. I used to be a hot-headed guy, believe it or not. I know it's hard to believe, but I used to be a hot-headed guy. Not a hot-headed guy that would get on a microphone and yell a little bit, but like a hot-headed guy that if somebody provoked something in a bar room, I'd put a bottle over their head. I was that guy. I mean, I was always the guy that would stand up for somebody weaker or being victimized if I had the opportunity to. I always tried to be a good guy. But yet, if you were in my face, hey, you know, it's just the way it is. You got to look out for yourself. You got to take care of yourself. You can't take shit from anybody. And I think I'm glad I never made a stupid-ass mistake like that when I was 22 years old, because I sure as hell could have. And I tell you, the biggest reason I didn't probably is I was so busy working on building my life again. Individual leadership. Even though I, I could have told you that at the time. If you get to me and said 24 and said, how important is individual leadership to you? By then I was in, you know, getting into sales and learning how to formulate messages and all. And I could have made something sound pretty good, but I, I really couldn't have explained it to you the way that I'm doing today. I couldn't have articulated it like this. And I really wouldn't have believed it. I was still voting for the D or the R. I was still believing in a dichotomy myself. I didn't get all this. And with that, I realized how important it is that in my continuing role as a father to now a, a son who is in his 20s, he's 25 in a couple of days, happy birthday, son, if you ever do happen to listen, 
uh, two days from now, actually, the 22nd of August. Did I continue to model the right behavior and I continue to teach the right behavior and I continue to instill the need for individual leadership in that boy? Because the reality is, while I had some good memories of growing up, that was never instilled in me. I got lucky. I'll admit that. I got lucky. There was something in me. There was some part of me that even though I watched the majority of my family careening out of control into stupidity, said, no, I'm not going there too. And when I look around, and again, I'm not saying that you or anybody like you or anybody you know before or after you is a victim, because you choose to be a victim or not. Now, let me clarify that so nobody says something stupid. If somebody shoots you in the face, you're a victim of being shot in the face. If you're a woman and some big guy beats the hell out of you and rapes you, you're a victim of rape. Okay? I understand that. And then you choose how long you remain a victim, though. You choose to let it destroy the rest of your life, or you choose to put your life to hell back together. So there are acute circumstances during which you are a victim, and there's a natural recovery period necessary. If I hit you with a sledgehammer in the leg and break your femur, then you are a victim of assault, and even if you get your shit together as fast as you can mentally, there's a physical healing time for your, you know, and you need medical attention. So when I say there are no, you know, nobody's a victim, I mean that nobody's a permanent victim. Unless there is the acute, you get, you fall off, or somebody shoves you off a cliff. You break your back and you can't walk and you'll never walk again. You're physically that victim. But mentally, you choose how to live your life. So that's what I'm saying. So I'm not saying you're a victim of this. But I realize the majority of people today don't practice self-governance and self-leadership because it wasn't modeled for them. It wasn't modeled for them. They practice conformity, acceptance, and choosing which side of a dichotomy to follow because that's what was modeled for them because that's the system that was built for you to exist in. You're simply being a natural, you're being a natural part, you're a natural element to use a permaculture term in a design system. In other words, if I were to free a thousand cattle in the plains like Buffalo, a lot of them would end up dead. But give them enough time, and they would start to act like wild cattle again. They'd start to behave a lot more like buffalo, and in subsequent generations, they would become free. Funny thing about cattle, though. If I release a thousand of them into quote-unquote freedom, they don't really change their behavior very much at first. They just don't. They don't go feral. Certainly not fast. Cattle only go feral... By need. Now, a cow might get out of a pasture and run down the road and eat some clover out of your neighbor's thing and crap in the middle of the highway and cause problems and all, but they don't just escape. You know, if you think about it, have you ever heard of the feral cattle problem anywhere? Now, down in South America, there's some water buffaloes that have gone feral and all, but again, it was really more by need than design. They don't escape. And then disappear into the forest. And there's no place where you look in the game regulations. And there's any hunting regulations for feral cattle. But what is there? 
There's feral hogs. Pigs, give them a chance. Give them half a chance. And some of them will get away. And when they do, they'll go feral. They'll take responsibility for themselves. They won't eat just what they come across. They will seek out, use their nose and their cunning and their intelligence, and they will find a way to exist. And they'll start reproducing. And in one generation, just one, the same two pigs that when bred in captivity would be having pigs that look very domestic will start to produce pigs that look quite wild. Almost like a psychological shift has a genetic effect. Strange. And a little bit of a feral wild gene pool starts to mix in with it, and it's off to the races. And next thing you know, in a few generations, you have pigs that look like wild Russian boars running around Texas. Four to six million of them. That's just Texas. What does that have to do with this? <laughs> the average American is behaving like a cow. Cows like to be led out to pasture. Cows enjoy being herded. Actually, enjoy, oh, yeah, this is my thing. I, I got other cows around me. I'm cool. Right? Human cattle. And what do we do with the cow? What is one of the main purposes of a cow? Not a bull, a cow. Milk. Cows even seem to enjoy being milked. And that's the average American today who does not practice self-leadership. They're cattle. They nod their head in agreement with financial liars who say, you'll be working till you're 75, this is the new normal, but if you invest this way, you'll retire maybe a millionaire. Moo, right? Right? Yeah, you can choose shoot A or B every four years, the Democrat or the Republican. On the other side is the slaughterhouse. That's it. Yeah, Through the meat grinder yet again. But eh, it's not time for the meat grinder yet, so in walks Ira Ramon Sancia, chief gangster for the United States, federal tax collector, and hooks up the milking machine. Squish, 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 just milks you. And Ramon's got a bunch of little sub-gangsters, you know, state taxes and property tax collectors and all. Squish, 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 milk, 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 milk. They take the best years of your life from you just like a cow. The whole time, there's massive holes in the fence. You don't even have to run out. All you do is walk through them. Now, well, I'm a cow. I think I'll stay here. If you call the average person a pig, they'll get really, really insulted. And usually it is an insulting thing to say. But I'm going to tell you today, we'd all be better off if we behaved a little bit more like our buddies, the pigs. That pig will accept a lot of training and a lot of stuff. And that pig's always sitting there going, one day, one day that dumbass is going to leave that gate open. And when he does, I'm getting the hell out of here. And some of his other pig buddies who have been around the cows too much are like, dude, they feed us mashed corn every night. You know, you don't want to miss the corn. The other pig's like, no, no, you don't understand. There's freedom out there. And I'm going to haul ass through that gate when that dumbass leaves that open. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to find me some fellow piggies that I already know are out there. How do you know they're out there? I hear them. And when I get out there, I'm going to make new piggies. And I'm going to wallow in mud. And I'm going to eat acorns and nuts. 
And they say, but you're guaranteed a mill here. And that pig says, uh-uh, buddy. I'm getting the hell out of here. And they do it. And that is a metaphor for the two real choices you have in your life. Your two choices are between a Romney and an Obama. Your choices are between liberty and tyranny. Tyranny doesn't come from a cave in Afghanistan. Tyranny comes from your own mind accepting the chains of authority that your government has granted onto you and said, will you please put these chains on and be a good slave? The majority of things that limit you as an individual in this nation today are not laws, they're conformities, they're belief systems, they're ideas. Ideas have the power to control people. You don't think so? About 30,000 people a year choose to end their own lives. We take out a few here and there that are terminal cancer patients that are making a logical decision that I don't want the last few days of my life to be in pain, and I'm going to take control of this. And whether you agree with it or not, at least you can see the logic in it. The majority of people that end their own lives, like the blogger said of Robin Williams, it's a choice. And what causes them to kill themselves? In the end, an idea. An idea. An idea can be the most powerful force for good in the world if it's a positive idea. But it can be the most enslaving or death-causing thing in the world if it's leveraged for that or if it's misunderstood, mishandled, and not channeled and controlled. An idea leads many people to greatness, and the same idea may lead many people to apathy and nothingness. There are people that walk around in their minds and they have this great idea for a business or an invention or whatever. And because they have that idea, they think miraculously someday a magical rainbow farting unicorn will show up with their guardian angel riding upon its back and say, you know that great idea you had, it's so wonderful that I'm going to bring things into your life to make it happen for you and you don't have to do anything. It's just going to happen. And that, that apathy, because one day it'll be better because I have this idea will actually make their life worse than if they never had the idea, even if it's a great idea. Because they'll just keep waiting for the time when it's right. There's other people that will have just a spark of an idea. And they'll say, oh, I have to make this happen. Usually, the first time they have an idea like that, they completely fail trying to make it happen. Then they get another idea, and they completely fail at that. And they get another idea, and they sort of, kind of succeed at that. And they're gaining this thing called experience. And eventually... All the ideas coalesce, and the ideas become actionable items, and all of a sudden that person becomes, in the minds of people looking at them, a gifted, lucky person with an overnight success. It's not how it works, folks. And it's amazing that it is the children of entrepreneurs that grow up to be entrepreneurs, and it is the children of cattle that grow up to be cattle. It is the children of the parents who enjoy being milked by their government that grow up to be milked by their government. And many times the child does make some independent thinking and simply chooses the other gangster family to follow. And the father says, I can't believe you're letting those Republicans milk you. And the son says back to the father, I can't believe you've let those Democrats milk you your whole life. And both of them should just go ahead and say what they're really thinking. Moo. 
moo. Because there's no individual leadership. Take every problem we have today. And I can't tell you how to solve it for the country, but I can tell you how to solve it for you. Give me one. Our dependence on fossil fuel. Okay, set up your life so you use less of it. But they're still taking, yeah, they still are, but you don't control that, so you set up your life so you use less of it. Well, the food system, well, take control of that. Find better supplies of your, the food you do want. Work to, to help support local producers. Grow some of your own. Choose what you put in your body. But they're still growing. Yeah, I know, and I want it stopped too. But in the end, I choose what I eat and what I don't eat. I'm not going to sit around and bitch about it. I might try to get some things done, but I'm still going to take the actions that apply to me directly. Our economy. Great. Is there any way to make money right now? Yeah, go do that. Build a business. Advance your career. Get a second job. Invest your money. Save your money. Don't buy shit you can't afford. Don't go into debt. If you are in debt, get rid of it. It's individual decisions. But the nation's still $17 trillion. I, I know, and we'll be 20 soon. Yeah, it's not okay, but there's nothing you can do about it. So shut up and fix your life. What if everybody did that? Huh, great question. What if everybody did that? I think we'd fix just about all the problems that we have. And then here's where it goes wrong. But everybody won't do that, so maybe what we need to do is make them do that. How can we do that? Well, I know, we'll have a government, we'll have laws and regulations, and we'll put people in charge to make sure people do the right things. And we can do this through a variety of ways. We can criminalize the bad things, and we can reward the good things. We can even tax certain things to produce less people doing that. Of course, then we'll become dependent on those tax dollars, so we won't really want them to stop. You know, we can tax cigarette tobacco and raise the tax on it 350%, and really the only thing that's actually stopped people from smoking cigarettes is the adoption of electronic cigarettes, and maybe we should tax that too. See, those are all things you can't do shit about. So don't smoke. If you do smoke, quit. Why? It's not good for you. You don't want to quit? I don't give a shit. Don't bitch about it. That's how it works. That's life. Now, I want you to ask yourself, how would you rate yourself as a leader, not of others, but of yourself? On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being you are the best leader you could be in your own life, and a 1 being you are a shitty, teacup, non-leader individual that just sits around, mopes, and does nothing. You're lucky if you get up other than to pee and poop every day. If you're going to rate yourself a 10, be careful. Be very, very careful. If you're going to rate yourself a 1, you stopped listening a long time ago, so I'm not talking to you. Most people are going to rate themselves somewhere in the middle. I have to tell you that this is something I would never rate myself a 10 on. Remember how every once in a while I say tick-tock, tick-tock, you're on the sliding scale. There's no stagnant in the journey towards liberty. You're either working for liberty and becoming more free and more independent as an individual, or the system is working against you. So if you're not actively working, it's like being in a stream. If you want to go upstream, which is what, what leadership is, you have to row the boat. But 
you can't just stop rowing the boat. There's no anchor on this boat. It doesn't come with one. If you stop rowing, stream might not move that fast, but you start heading downstream. You know, I tell you that. I tell you that every once in a while, the sliding scale. Well, that's the same reason I would be very cautious about rating myself a 10 on anything that I really thought was important in my life. To say that means that you are as good as you can be. You have reached a level that we can only call perfection. I believe perfection occurs. I believe it occurs as a fleeting glimpse of what's possible. An athlete does a routine in the Olympics that really is perfect. A baseball player catches the ball at the right spot and drives the furthest home run we've ever seen. We have these moments. A broadcaster gets into the groove and says something they didn't even know that was inside of them that reaches thousands of people in a way that it never has before. We all have these fleeting moments playing darts, something mundane, when all of a sudden you can't miss. And it's this, it's this plane of existence that's, wow. But to believe that you're there and you've, you're staying there all the time, you are now at that point. You are there. You have arrived. It's not only misleading, but it, it will lead to decline. If I say that I am the best leader that I ever could be in my life, I have reached a point where I never fail it to lead myself. I have no weaknesses. I will be a poorer leader of myself no matter how good I am today, tomorrow, if I take that approach. So I'd be quite cautious about that if I were you. But with that in mind, how would you rate yourself as a leader in your own life? And if it's a five or a six or a four or three or seven, good. You have lots of room to improve. So I'll ask you then, where would you first start improving? Where do you see the greatest weaknesses? And it's okay to ask why you have them. It's okay to ex do examination of your life. What did I, did I or did I not learn from my parents? As long as you don't wallow in that bullshit and sit there and go, oh, that's why. My dad was never around, and my mom was terrible. That's why I'm like this. Yeah, get over it. Welcome to the club. It's a big club, and this time you're in it. So what do you do? How do you proceed with this information? Well, it's really not that hard. What I'd like to do for you now is read a chapter in a book that's only partially written and a book I've not finished called Modern Survival Philosophy that may or may not ever be finished. And it's one of the early chapters in the book, and it's probably not what a reader will expect if this book ever is published. And the title of the chapter is What's Missing in the Lives of Most Americans? And here it is. My real goal is to help America reclaim what it has lost, that self-reliant and self-sufficient spirit that transformed our country into the greatest nation on the planet. I want us to reconnect with the can-do spirit that won two world wars, put men on the moon, and took a land considered to be a third world nation just over a hundred years ago and made it the world leader in just about every measurable way. Much has been lost in the past 50 years, and the loss seems to be accelerating. In fact, you may be reading this book and prepping specifically because you believe we are reaching a point of no return. I will be honest with you, as a nation of 300 million with a what's-in-it-for-me mentality, you might be right. 
The key here, though, isn't changing 300 million. It's all about people changing their own lives by choice, reclaiming freedom with action and choosing a better life no matter how good or how bad times are. You simply can't tell your neighbor how to live. You damn sure can't tell your congressman how to live. But you and you alone can choose how you are going to live from this day forward and forever. There are, of course, limitations to what you can and can't do. There are obstacles you will have to come, you will come across. And even some things totally out of your control. Yet as long as you are breathing, no matter what happens to you, you still control how you react to it, what you do next, and how you choose to be affected. No one has more impact over you than you. And there it is. That's what's missing in the lives of most Americans today. Not health insurance, a nice car, or a plasma TV, or any other piece of Madison Avenue or uh, Avenue crap or Washington has convinced you that you need. I have talked to more than one oncologist, those are doctors specializing in cancer treatment, who have said that the patient that is a good patient and just does what they are told is seldom the one that beats the odds. That in fact it is the pain in the ass patient that wants to know every option, the why and the how of every treatment, who beats the odds. I have been told this is true even when both patients eventually follow the exact same course of treatment. Why? The pain in the ass patient knows what they do matters. Does that just seem too simple for you? It is simple indeed, but simplicity is the most powerful force in our lives. Every rule, every marketing campaign, and every factor that leads us along in life is only cloaked in complexity. When you take the time to pick them apart and understand them, they are always composed of simple components. You don't have to study this or even really understand it, but you must accept the simple fact that you control your own life. Without that knowledge... Nothing in this book can really help you. The lack of this knowledge in America is discussed every day. It simply isn't put in such a cut-and-dry framework. Why? Because those discussing it are often missing it in their own lives, so they can't articulate the simplicity of it. Often the few that do understand it are so concerned with sounding intelligent and selling themselves that they needlessly complicate the message. This missing factor is often expressed with common phrases such as, People just don't understand the value of a dollar anymore. No one respects hard work anymore. These young people think they are just entitled to things today. The government should just blank. The government should just stop blank. Those damn Democrats, those damn Republicans. If my interest rate was lower, I could pay these bills. The middle class just can't make it anymore. Those are just a few of them, by the way. In general, anything that pushes the blame or responsibility onto others stems from this simple missing component. It wasn't always this way. There was a time when the knowledge that what you did mattered was the primary driver of life in America. What happened? Where did it go? Who is responsible for its loss? I'm sorry, but you can't blame anyone except yourself. That may sound harsh, but as long as you blame anyone or anything for your own loss of self-direction, you are nothing more than a slave. Did that last word bother you? I hope so. And let me tell you, if you don't take control of your own life with this simple principle right now, you are indeed a slave. Most Americans today are slaves. They just have comfort in their slavery. What are they slaves to? They're slaves to false rules about the way things have to be. Slaves to the belief the government is supposed to solve their problems. And above all, they're slaves to debt. Most Americans today work 50 or more years at a job they don't want. Most feel underpaid, and they are paying them, and they are paying massive taxes they are not even aware of. Sound bad? Well, it gets worse because every act most people take 
on the path to the mythical freedom of typical American retirement actually increases their bondage in the power of the slave masters. Right now, you might be thinking none of this really sounds like modern survivalism or getting prepared for potential disasters. You may be wondering when I'll just get with on on how to use solar energy, write a disaster plan, or grow your own food. Don't worry, that is coming soon. But the first piece of knowledge about how to think is necessary before we proceed further. When a military officer is trained to lead men into battle, he must know tactics, weapons, and logistics. Without them, he and his men will be killed. Yet a tremendous amount of the commander's training is how to think, how his men will think, and how to control and harness emotions. This part of his training is equally important, and every great leader has a solid ability with both tactical and psychological concepts. Why does this matter? It matters because you want to be self-sufficient. It matters because you want to control your own life. It matters because you want to be okay if the shit hits the fan. It matters because you most likely have people you love and being prepared in part so you can take care of them. Who is going to be in charge of that? Who will have to make the choice to stay put, bug in, or evacuate, bug out if a disaster strikes? When something that is supposed to function fails, who's going to fix it when there is no way to call a guy to take care of it? When someone you love is in need of an action that will save or cost them their life and no one is there to help, who will have to make the choice and act now? The answer is, of course, you. You want to be self-sufficient? You want to be a survivalist? Well, then you don't get another option. You must now step forward as commander in your own life. Today you just got promoted from being a cog in the system to commander of your own life, and there is no going back. Your family, your friends, and perhaps your community will now be your troops, and you will have to step up because in many situations, no one else is able to. The beauty is this has always been true. Every person is already in charge of their own life. What they do has always been what mattered most. When we accept that, it isn't that we take charge, it's that simply we finally know we are in command. Once you know that you're in control, you can begin to shape your situation into what you actually want rather than simply reacting to what comes your way. Um, I hope those words mean something to you today. I hope they reach you. I don't, again, I don't know if I'll ever finish this book. I have so much going on in my life right now. And so many things that I want to get done and so many ways that I want to help people. And I don't know that a, a book for the sake of having a book is, is the way to do that. But I'm glad I wrote those words in, in, in that document for that potential book because it tells me I'm on the right course. And it tells me that a lot of these things that I teach every day that I think maybe that's something new. It's not new. It's something that I've had a long time. I think I wrote those words in 2010-ish. And they sound very much like the other things that I've told you today, do they not? Well, that's because they're constants and they're truths. The fact of the matter is the only choice that you have that will actually lead you to what you want is control of your own life and leadership of yourself. That is it. There's nothing else. There is no other answer. I promise you, no matter who becomes your next president or governor, is not going to change your situation in life if you don't change it for yourself. No matter who or who does not say they're going to hoist a flag over your White House is not going to change your life or how much money you make or how well you take care of your family or what skills you have or how much freedom you have or don't have. Your own actions will have the greatest impact on that. There is no doubt that we've lost much as a nation. 
There's no doubt in that at all. There is no doubt that we should and can do better as a society. There's no doubt in that. There's no doubt that a lot of our problems are the results of stupid behavior or greedy behavior or obnoxious behavior or violent behavior by other individuals. But right now, we just don't have the ability to change those other people. So you start with what you can do. It's the same way I teach you to design your property in permaculture. I want 100 acres, and I want lakes and streams, and I want 75 of it, honestly, to be woods and wilderness for deer to run and frolic in so I can shoot them and turn them into delicious things like sausage and biltong. And I want this, and I want that. But all I have right now is a quarter acre. Great, let's get started with that quarter acre. Let's see what we can do with it. This is how life works. You have what you've been dealt as a hand. And unlike poker, there's no such thing as a losing hand. I guess there is. If you ain't dead yet, you ain't got one. Okay? That's how you know. That's how you know if you got a losing hand in the game called life. If you got a losing hand in the game called life, you're dead. So if you're listening to me, I, I think I have a pretty big audience, but I don't think the other side is listening. So if you're listening to me, you haven't been dealt a losing hand by life. And your hand can be played. And it, beca- it can become a royal flush. Or at least a full house. Aces over eights. <laughs> Some of you will get that joke based on what I just said, right? Seriously, you can play your hand and you can make something out of it, but it's going to come down to you. Do you want to do it or do you not want to do it? And again, I'll ask you, how would you rate yourself as a leader? If you're saying nine, I hope your life's really awesome or you're hurting yourself by saying nine. I promise you, if your life is really shitty, you're not a nine. You're probably not even an eight. An eight, you should be doing pretty damn good. You should be pretty damn happy. I'll actually tell you how you know. How you know if you're a good leader in your own life. If other than somebody died, you're in a, they having to make a decision that, you know, you don't really want to make. You know, if you're running a business and you have to let somebody go that you don't want to let go or, you have a friend that's going through a problem. You have to say, listen, until you're willing to work on this problem, we can't hang out anymore. Things like that, you know. Your favorite person in sports is retiring. Right? It's sad, right? But in general, other than like these acute events, are you happy? That might sound like a crazy way to gauge whether you are a leader in your own life. You might say, Jack, you know all those people you told me not to worry about? Well, I just have to worry about them today. And and there's these people on welfare, and they live, and they have their house paid for, and their food paid for, and they don't do anything, and they get everything handed to them. Yeah, they're miserable, dude. They're freaking miserable. Do you... I know some fat lady called some Texas DJ and told him how her life is great, and she has her Obama phone, and why would... It's all bullshit. I've known plenty of people over the years on government assistance like that, and they're not happy. They're not happy. They're not happy at all. Let me tell you something. I get up every day, and I don't just mean now. I mean even when I was still slamming through the corporate American sludge. And I I would get up and I'd think, man... 
Isn't this freaking awesome? Isn't this just awesome? You know? I get to go out and do stuff today. I go out and get out and make things happen. I mean, I never got angry or mad or upset or stressed. But in the end, I thought, you know, I'll tell you what. One day, I'm going to have what I really want. And that makes me happy. See, happiness has been, we've been lied about so many things. We've been lied about what happiness is. Happiness is having all the stuff you want. Well, then all you need is a credit card. You can have all the stuff you want tomorrow. You'll be paying for it for the rest of your life. You won't be happy. But if that's what happiness really was, you know, happiness is being retired early. Figure out how to go hurt yourself bad enough to get on disability. They'll give you a retirement equivalent. Most, Most people get on Social Security when they're retired, and you won't be happy. People do that. They think they're going to be happy, and then they subsist, but they're not happy. Happiness isn't about where you're at. Happiness is about where you know you're going. Let's say that again. Happiness is not about where you're at. It's about where you know that you're going. So when I had a job making 6 bucks an hour, again, five ninety an hour, in a warehouse, it was 120 degrees in the damn place, and killing myself as a young man just out of the army and thinking, man, I thought somebody would at least give a damn that I did a few years in the military and give me some kind of a job better than this, I was still happy. And it wasn't just because I had friends and we went out and we, you know, we, we did the things that you do when you're in your early 20s. It was because I knew this isn't it. This isn't, this is, this is not what I'm going to be doing next year, let alone in 10 years. And I talked to people in that plant, and I would go, how long have you been here? Oh, like 12 years. Do you like it here? Oh, no, this place sucks. Oh, never mind. Seriously. I mean, that's how I was even then. No. Okay. I, there's nothing that can come out of this conversation that is going to do me or you any good, because we are in, we're, I am speaking one language, and you're speaking another. So I always woke up. You know, I'm not saying I was never unhappy, but in general, my general mood was positive and happy. That's how you know if you're being a good leader in your life. Your overall mood will be positive and happy because you know you're headed for good shit. And you know, no matter how bad people screw stuff up, other than the acute problem being hit by a gravel truck, okay, uh, we get hit with a pandemic of something like Ebola. It actually mutates and it happens and people are dying everywhere. Other than something like that, you're going to pull it off. You're not going to take it lying down. You're not going to accept things the way they are. You're going to make change. You're going to do the right things. You're going to make it happen. Well, guys, if people spend hundreds and thousands of dollars for self-help bullshit, 20 different ways to frame and package this crap, break a board on stage with some guy that looks like freaking Lurch from the Adams Family or whatever, and the reality is it all comes down to one damn thing, individual leadership. That's it. Right? If you see the commercial with Pinocchio and th- th- like jobs you shouldn't have, like, look, I see great potential in you, I see, and his nose is growing, and he's like, oh, this isn't going to work, right? You can't be a motivational speaker, because motivational speakers are full of shit when they say stuff like that. They see great potential in you to give them money. That's the reality of most of this crap, because it is this simple. You know, 20 CDs about changing and empowering your life and making it better? 
any one thing. Run your own life. Lead. And those of you that always cop out, it's all about somebody else. It's my kids are more important to me than my own happiness. My, my wife is more important to me. My husband is more important to me. My work is more important to me. Whatever it is. The only way that any of those things matter is in your legacy. And as a father, your legacy is in the actions of your children and their children and their children and all the people they teach and impact and touch throughout their lives. They're going to model the behavior that you give them to model. Or they're going to do it in spite of your, your, your lack of modeling of positive behavior. So you don't want to be either the guy that modeled the shitty behavior or, you know what, my kids are really doing great things in spite of me. Neither one of those are the people you want to be. So if you mean your own cop-out bullshit when you say, well, it's all about my work or all about my wife, and then you are left with the same choice. You can't actually make it work unless you lead yourself. My, if, if I was asked, Jack, you can only instill one thing in Americans today, just one thing, but you can do it with a wave of your hand. You can do pride or honor or respect, anything you want. You can give this gift to the American people. You can give them the gift of knowing everybody at once, knowing the slavery of the system. Uh, you can give them whatever you want. Pick one thing, but only one thing. I don't even have to think. It would be this concept. You're responsible for your life, and you must be an individual leader if you want to achieve anything, and if you want to build positive things and happiness in your life and for those around you, it would be that one thing. Because everything else, everything else will fall back without that. If I could teach American, uh, everybody in America that an economy and slavery and things, you might even get a generation of people that actually do throw the bums out, actually do use the system as it was designed to be used, actually do restore the integrity to the system, that get the businesses out. And you know what? A generation will be right back where we started. We'll be right back where we started. The only way this works, the only way your system of government works as designed is self-governance and self-leadership. That's it. It can't... See... Let me finish up with putting it this way for you to make it abundantly clear to those that haven't gotten it yet. I have a truck. It's a diesel truck. That means when I see the little needle get down to E, I have to put diesel fuel in my truck. I cannot put gasoline in my truck. It's made to run on diesel fuel, not gasoline. If I put gasoline in it, it will go and it will not run. And the only way to fix it will be to drain every drop of gasoline out of it. Hopefully I haven't blown it the hell up. Completely clean it out, clear it out, clean it up, replace the filters, put new diesel fuel in it, prime it, and get it running again. And then it will go ba 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 and it will thunder like the big, powerful diesel it is down the road. Your constitution, your nation, 
your republic was optimized and designed for people to be the first guardians of the republic. That not the president, not the congress, not the troops, not even the militia. The first guardian to our nation was to be the individual period, the end, no more. That is the diesel fuel that fires up the motor that is what we are supposed to be. We're putting gas in it. Gas burns, but in a diesel engine it has no power. That's how you've been stripped of your power. Because the fuel, self-governance, self-leadership, individual responsibility has been replaced with can't somebody else do it and this is everybody's fault but mine you can't change it for anyone other than yourself good news is you can change it for yourself right now this freaking instant do it or don't I've simply told you the truth. And with that, this has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that love better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Yeah.